Your thoughts on work-life balance? <laughs> well, if you don't see a difference between work and life, it's hard to figure out how to answer that question. But uh, I guess my basic view of it is that work is what you get to do when you're not living. And uh, so therefore, whenever life interrupts work, it makes me happy because, you know, grandkids are coming this weekend and what could be better. But, you know, if it weren't for work, life would just kind of swallow you up and spit you out at the end of the day. So work is what I do when I, you know, when I get to. And the balance is simply to uh, let life do what it has to do. Like the other day, one of my friends father died and although I didn't know him I I just decided I had to go to the to the funeral even though it was a day where I had you know a couple of pitches at the studios and so on but I just drove out to to the to the funeral because that's okay and I didn't think about work <coughs> all day and um, and I didn't complain <coughs> as I usually do that I didn't get any work done that day because once in a while you do have to pay your your regards to life and recognize that it's there. But when I think about how many people <clears throat> say they want to work uh, and do work and don't do it, uh, and I go, what are you doing? They go, well, life just keeps happening. And I, I don't quite understand that because that person has the same amount of time that I do and that we all do. And it's a matter of choice at a certain point. I mean, you can, I mean, we, we travel, we love to eat out, we love to do home things, we love to cook, we love to do all the things that people, a lot of people like to do, but we both, you know, my wife and I both work very hard um, because we love what we do. And um, so I don't know, I, I, it's a very interesting question, but I'd, uh, <clears throat> I'd love you to be more specific about what you mean by it. Sure. I'm thinking of um, an interview I heard with Alice Monroe, and she said she felt like she had missed out on a lot of life because even though she became a writer later on in her life, I guess, um, she just had spent so much time writing. And so she was going to finally get to a point where she was going to stop. And she stopped for a year, and she went right back to writing. So her feeling like maybe so much of her life had been dedicated to work and then feeling like she'd missed out on life, but then realizing that the work was really the life. I don't know. I, yeah. Maybe I'm sounding again like my, no, that, my that's, graduate. That's, that's, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly the right kind of complication when it comes to asking that question because the people who love their work, the type C personalities like Alice Monroe, uh, their life is their work. It's like a vocation. You know, it's like a calling. And if you don't do it, you're not living. Uh, when you're not doing it, uh, you are alive, but if you are not doing it on a regular basis, then you are not living your life. You're living someone else's life or you're living, you know, anyone's life. But the artist is somebody who lives their life, you know, their own specific life that, that she's shaped for herself. And, and, and that's why it's an interesting question to anybody who's involved in, in creative affairs because have I ever thought that way that I'm missing out on life? You know, maybe for a total of six or seven seconds in my life, I thought that. Uh, I have had other thoughts, like I could be, I could spend more time suffering. It's a strange thought, right? But I had three sisters, and they all stayed in my hometown 
<clears throat> and I didn't. And so they did a lot of suffering with the family and plenty of occasions for it with 40 relatives around and something was always going on. And I felt like I could really be part of that. But then I, I remember very distinctly, that's the reason that I wanted to leave because I didn't want to be just doing that, which I saw all around me as I was growing up. I thought, you know, nothing outside the box is happening here. People are just being, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally all in favor of, you know, people and families who uh, are on the phone all day with the latest person's accident or the latest person's diagnosis of this or that and what are we going to do and the plans for this and that. I actually love all that stuff and when I'm there I'll be in the kitchen you know with the, mostly the women talking about this rather than the men watching a game in the, in the other room. I'm torn because I love that but I also distinctly knew that I had to get away from that. Uh, that I, that they, uh, I couldn't let that consume me. Because at the end of the day, I always believed with those people who say the one thing that you can't live with at the end of the day is the things that you might have done. You know, the wishing that you had done a lot of stuff that you didn't do. Well, I never had that problem. You know, all of my dreams have become uh, plans and, and or movies or books or trips. You know, they, I just always did something about them. And somehow, it's all worked out. I go to family reunions, but I'm not, I'm not going to stay for four weeks. Uh, and I'm not being drawn into all that except at the big moments. And uh, maybe it's total selfishness. I think there is an element of selfishness in creativity. Um, and selfishness is, is maybe a, just an ordinary word for it, but there might be more euphemistic words for it. Uh, self-determination or something. Narcissism would be the worst word for it because there are a lot of narcissists in the creative world who are mostly unbearable, I think. But um, you do have to be willing to be yourself, which a lot of people are not prepared to do. Uh, a lot of people are nervous when you do it and, and try to keep you from doing it because they really wish they could do it, but they don't have the courage to do it because there aren't any, um, there aren't any uh, railroad tracks that mark it out clearly. You know, how are you gonna get to where you're going? I don't know. Well, then that's, that's very, no. Don't you think that's very troubling? Uh, I think it's very exciting. Yeah, I don't think it's troubling. I think it's exciting. I think I can do it. And uh, that makes people nervous, you know, people who are, doing their thing in a continent way, a continent of reason, traditional way. They're nervous when people are gonna live above a garage and practice, you know, the drums until they're famous. That makes them nervous. And probably, well, it should. I mean, if my own daughter had told me she wanted to be an actress, I would have, you know, no, please. I would try to not have said that directly, but I would have had the same feelings that people have. So I, I think that you, uh, you have to be willing to be yourself. And my justification or rationalization for that is that, you know, the universe, if you believe in any kind of a higher force, did create you. And if you're not doing the thing that you're dreaming of doing, then you're failing not just yourself, but the whole universe, the rest of us too. Like if you're a storyteller and that's what you're meant to be and you're not telling stories, 
because you're afraid of this or that, um, then you failed yourself, you failed your dream, and you failed all of us to whom your story might be life-saving or the funniest story they ever heard. And you failed the universe that created you to dream about telling stories. I used to have students who would have weird things like this. I, I really want to go to junior year in Paris, but I'm, I'm afraid of feeling guilty if I do it. And I go, why would you feel guilty? Well, because my parents will have to pay for it, and, and my, my brothers and sisters didn't get to do that. And so I go, wait a minute, let me think this through with you. You're afraid of guilt, right? Okay, what is guilt? What do you mean? Well, it's, isn't guilt a kind of mental thing? Isn't it kind of imaginary? I know it's powerful, but it is imaginary, like most powerful things in human life, right? Yeah, well, so isn't it fear of guilt? also imaginary? Yeah. So either way, you're going to be dealing with an imaginary problem, right? You're going to go to Paris and feel guilty in the, past, in the future, which is speculative anyway, or you're going to stay here and feel bad for not going. So it seems to me the choice is obvious. Go there, feel guilty if you do, and deal with it. And that kind of thinking is what make somebody decide to break out of the pack and pursue a creative life. Uh, if they can't think their way through that, then they just should stay home and, you know, do the job at the grocery store, whatever it is that, that will make them feel not challenged by that. Lastly, what about the fear of, I think Norman Mailer said, fear of mediocrity. He was talking about how a lot of colleges train people to, to want sort of a mediocre existence. I'm not sure if that's true, they just maybe stability, but then there's a, a, a mediocrity with some of that. Uh, <laughs> you know, Flannery <laughs> O'Connor said that the problem isn't that colleges aren't, you know, inspiring people to become writers, the, the problem is that colleges are inspiring too many people to become mediocre writers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether Norman Mailer was influenced by her, she was influenced by him, but um, mediocrity is a, is a retroactive judgment. It's not something you strive for, uh, right? So it's something you, if you're talking about artists, uh, he's a mediocre, mediocre artist, well that's, you can't make that judgment until it's all done. Uh, in, in the case of Melville, for example, you can't even make it then because when it was all done, he was buried and nobody knew who he was, but then 20 years later, he's had become the greatest American novelist. Um, so what that tells you is that the artist can't think about things like that. You, you can't think about whether you're, what you're doing is excellent or not. You have to strive for excellence, because if you don't strive for that, you'll never get anywhere near it. But you don't judge yourself based on any of those criteria, because that's not your job. Your job is to do your art and uh, do that as well as you can at the moment, the best you can at the moment, and let the world judge it or not judge it. Who cares? Your joy and your mission in life is to do the creative work. And, and that's all you have to worry about. Let everybody else make up their minds. And the fear of doing that, uh, I mean, the strength to do that means you've got to have a sufficiently healthy ego not a huge ego or a little ego, which causes people to be egotistic, but you have to have a sufficiently healthy one to truly not care uh, what other people think. I, I once 
was getting divorced and you know was worried about my children and you know what the world would think and everything else and and I was standing on talking on the phone looking out city of LA at a million lights right and my uncle was saying just remember that nobody is really thinking about you most of the time there are some people out there who you know know who you are and of them there are some who love you and there are probably some who hate you but most of the people out there don't even know who you are so relax you know and that is very relaxing is to think that you know no matter who you are there are other people who don't know who you are uh, it constantly amazes me that people today haven't heard of half the great artists of the past but so what just if you do something creative focus on that and it will make sense out of the rest of your existence and that's all anyone can really manage I think is their own existence. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you keep faith in yourself and in your craft during turbulent times? Boy, is that a good question. Talk about dirty laundry. Um, you know, there was, I have this terrific career coach and her name is Erica Wernick. She's really fabulous. Highly, you should do an interview with her. You really should. She's just got a book coming out. Oh, nice. I'll send you her information. Okay, but, please. But, you know, she would probably, you know, punch me in the arm for saying this, but there was a time in my career uh, early on in the 90s where I was so frustrated and and so down and didn't believe in myself. And I just had this revelation. I was like, you know what? I've set a goal. and I don't have to believe in myself. I just have to do the steps that I committed to doing to get me through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and that worked for me. I mean, it was a device that worked for me. And, and I feel like occasionally I still have it. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, like Erica, talk about how important it is, you know, to believe in yourself and to believe that your success is inevitable. And that's also very powerful. Um, I just find that that my brain is a little more complex in terms of the things it does to me. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I'm always in the driver's seat. And... Uh, Quite honestly, I, I, I deal with self-esteem issues. I really do. I mean, I think a lot of people do in this business. You know, your identity is tied up in your work, even if you don't want it to be, because you put so much of yourself into it. And if it doesn't do well, or even if it does well, I mean, honestly, the irony to me of having something successful and praised and then not having a lot of work, that's even worse than having something criticized. Because, because at least if they criticize it, you're like, okay, it sucked, I get it. But if they say it's awesome and then the jobs don't follow, you're like, you know, where's, where's the karma? Where's the payoff? Uh, you know, we made a deal. <laughs> so, so that's harder for me. Um, but uh, um, 
I do try to keep faith in myself. And 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 you know, honestly, when when I when I do have crises with the system or success as a nebulous thing, I I really I get basic and I go back and I remind myself, you know, Brad, you're an artist. That was the contract you made. You never said you wanted to be rich. I don't care about being rich. I would like to be self-sufficient. I'd like to be secure, you know. And if I was rich, it'd be okay, but I'd be donating and helping. And I mean, I'm just, I'm, I just don't need a super yacht and, a, and an island. Um, but, you know, I remind myself that the contract that I made was that I wanted to be an artist. Simple as that. And you know what? I, I am. I mean, I just, I look at the work I've done, I work at the, the work I'm doing, and even if these people don't like it, or those people don't like it, or even if everybody likes it, and I don't get a job or an award, it's like, you know what? You gotta do the work. You know, somebody gave you the toys, somebody gave you the sandbox, and they let you build your sandcastle. And, and that's enough. Do you think a lot of success is luck, or success can be orchestrated? I want to believe it can be orchestrated, you know, and I know, uh, you know, people who who feel very strongly about that, and and I feel, I feel it can be influenced, you know. I don't know if I believe it can be orchestrated in a guaranteed way because because for 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 a hundred people doing a hundred things, more or less the same, they're going to have different outcomes. You know, because they'll know different people, they'll be at different moments in time, it'll be a different project, um, you know, they may have a different mode to their personality or their energy or, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be simple, simple things, you know. I, I give you an example. I mean, I have people who message me out of the blue, and if people message me and they have a specific question and they say, Brad, what light did you use in that particular scene? Or they say, um, you know, would you look at my resume? I respond to them, you know. People who, who hit me up and they say, how are you doing? I, I just don't even answer because I, how do I, I don't, I don't need any small talk and how do I answer that? You know, it's like, so, so, so the point being is that, is that um, you know, the way you interact with the world, be it me or be it those person, persons emailing me, you're going to get a different response depending depending on what you put out there. And I've forgotten your question, but I hope I answered it. <laughs> oh, you did, you did. I think you said it did, because I was saying, is it success, do you think a lot of it's luck, or it can be orchestrated? Yeah. And so it sounds like it might be sort of a combination. Uh, it's It's gotta be, mm -hmm. it really has to be, because, because you know, it's, it's, what is it they say success is, is preparation meeting opportunity, right? You know, you have to be prepared. You know, if you go into that meeting, if you luck out and you get that meeting, but you you don't know squat, you're not going to impress them. But if you are a genius and you're an introvert and won't go out and do the meetings, then you're still stuck. And just for anybody who's an introvert, I am a terrible introvert. I am so shy. But I want this more than I want to be shy. So I just, you know, I'm not an actor, but in that way, I am an actor. You know, I will I will go do the act. And I'm not always good. You know, if I'm in a crowd and I don't know anybody and I don't have a wingman, that's kryptonite. I shut down and I sit in a corner. I, to this day, I'm ashamed of it, but I just, I'm, I'm just, I, uh, 
powerless. But, you know, I know to have a wingman, I don't have somebody else to help me, you know, or at least find, oh, I know that person, they can introduce me, you know, I mean, that's, you know, um, but, you know, when I was a little kid, I, um, you know, I would just, my mom would say, you know, you want to, you want a Slurpee, and, and she would, you know, I'd be sitting in the car, and, and, and she said, we well, have to go in and get it, I would just sit there and cry, because I didn't want to go in by myself, I was so shy, um, but, so it was, it's hard, you know, but, uh, you know, you just, if you want something enough, then you do the things you need to do. One of my favorite sayings right now, and because I'm looking to level up. I mean, look, I could be at the top and I'd still be looking to level up. But there's this great saying, and it's, if you want something you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before. And sometimes that might be obvious, but sometimes it's surprising. Like just the other day I had this realization because I'm a workaholic and I drive myself like crazy. I was reading Erica's book, as a matter of fact, meant for this, go out and buy it. It's a really good book. Um, but I had a thought that was really kind of a non sequitur. It wasn't really relevant to what I was reading, but I thought, I thought, Brad, you need quiet time. You need to stop and just be quiet, whether you meditate or, or just watch the world go by, because you don't do that. And that's surprising, because my logical brain says, well, that's not going to get you anywhere. But then I start thinking, you know, because I know that, that you just can't go 24 hours, even though I have, because you wear down, you, you lose your acuity. So, so you know, maybe that is the thing. Maybe I need more breaks and more quiet time because maybe that will make the time I do spend working just that more focused and that more effective. You know, um, you know, it's better to to spend five really effective minutes than than an hour kind of unfocused and tired and distracted. So, so that was the thing that I thought, well, you know, that's interesting because that's a thing I haven't done before. And it's, it's not what I would have guessed, you know, but that's, that's just kind of the thing is, is that, um, um, you know, and, and the other thing about success is people, when people ask advice for about success or about being a cinematographer or being on set or meeting people or networking, Everybody wants the formula. They want the roadmap. They want the A, B, C equals D. And I get that because as humans, I think we're wired that way. I want that, but guess what? I've never found it. Um, it's, just, it's just always different. It's a moving target and, and you learn as you go and you, you take your best guess and you try it. And if it doesn't work, then you're like, okay, it's not working. I'm not gonna quit. But let me try something different. Let me revise it. Can I go this way? Can I go that way? Can I show up with flowers and chocolate? Can I, you know, get my buddy to do an introduction? You know, whatever. You know, uh, it's not about stopping. It's about it's about okay, this isn't working. Let's think of something else. Let's reinvent. And even something that does work for a while, just like the market changes, just like the technology changes, it's like you know what? It used to work. It's not working now. Try something different. So being internal and introvert, maybe needing quiet time, did that work for you growing up in Houston? And how did you turn that, like if you needed to turn on that, and I'm just, I'm just stereotyping here, the Southern charm and being sort of 
you know, larger than life, which you do have that side to you. I can see it. But how, do, how would you manifest that if you had to walk into a room and sort of own it? If I know people, it's easy, you know. If I know some people, it's easy. Um, but part of it is having generosity towards the other person. Um, I think that um, one of the things that I tell young people is, is if you approach a relationship, if you want a meeting or you want to connect with somebody, do not approach it from what can they do for me. I am going to ask them for a job. I am going to ask them to give me something. The best way to approach it is to be like, what can I give them? You know, what do I have to offer? And, and um, you don't have to be an experienced filmmaker. We are blessed with social media where we can see that this person likes going out on a boat. This person likes dogs and that person likes to paint. And this person maybe went to your school and this person maybe is friends with your uncle. I don't know, but we have the ability to do due diligence on people in a way that has just never been possible before. I do that and I recommend that people do that, you know, and you go and you you do your homework and then they're not a stranger, you know, because you have you find that thing, oh, you know they like comic books or oh they like this my, their favorite movie is my favorite movie or or they like the same band I like. That takes a lot of the the edge off of cuz the part of the fear is like I don't know what to say. But you know, if you guys both like Doberman Pinchers, now you have something to talk about. And, and it's lovely for the other person because you know what, all day long, they're getting calls, oh, give me a job, you know, I wanna be a PA, will you make my movie, And they're like, oh, you wanna talk about my dog? Oh, here's a picture of my dog. They're so happy, you know? And that's, that's the thing, because you have to remember, this is a business of relationships. It's not a business of, of like parasites and, and 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 pray, you know. It's 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 your friends. You want you want to work with your friends. You're going to call your friends. You're going to work with your friends. Everybody likes hanging out with their friends, you know. And this is a business where you have the ability to hire the people you like, you know. And 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 you know people who are. It's just like in your life. Think about you know that one friend who always asks you for something. They always want you to come over to their house and do them a favor and 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 buy lunch, and they never reciprocate. How how excited are you to spend time with that person? You know. But think about the other person who calls you up and says, "Oh, there's this new movie, and you would love it." You know, that's the person you're happy to hear from. So. You know, when I meet with people, I try to be able to offer that. And also when I follow up and in social media, I'm like, oh, hey, here's an article. I know you like butterflies. Here's a butterfly article. Um, and, and it's not just, um, you know, a cynical thing because, because I think it's cool that they like butterflies. I think it's neat. So that's cool. Um, so when I'm in a, in a position of meeting people, one of the things that that mindset precipitates is that it makes you listen because you don't know what people want if you don't listen to them. And a lot of people will tell you that in meetings, you don't want to do a lot of talking. You want to listen um, and then talk strategically and, and to the point. And so I think if you listen, you know, people are going to tell you, 
uh, their story and they're going to tell you what they need. And I've had that many times where they're like, oh, and I was on this shoot and there was this thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the next time you have that happen, let me know because I know a guy, you know, or, oh, well, let me tell you what I did once in a similar situation. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, again, you're being friends. And I literally years ago stopped leading with my website. Like the most aggressive thing I'll do now is put it in my signature. Because if people are interested, they're going to look for it, you know. Um, I reach out and talk to them about their Doberman Pinscher or their horse or their butterflies. I mean, that's how I build it. Or I compliment them. I'm like, oh, I, you know, that commercial you did was really beautiful. Or, oh, hey, you know, I'm also friends with so-and-so. Um, and, you know, I'll do, I've done lunches with people, you know, and we spend, you know, and this is somebody that, yeah, I'd love to work with them. And we spend the whole lunch talking about nothing having even remotely to do with film. And as we're getting up to leave, they say, send me your work. I might have something coming up, you know. But how much more powerful is it for them to ask than for me to be like, oh, you know, look at my stuff. You know, because they get that all day long again. You know, you just don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that. Maybe somebody does, but I don't want to be that person. So, so that's how I handle it. I, I feel, it, and it also it takes the pressure off. I have nothing to prove. I'm not selling anything. I'm not a salesman. I would be a horrible salesman. You know, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty good at being nice to people. I'm pretty good. I mean, something I care a lot about is is other people. Is you know, how can I help them? What. Up. And, you know, again, maybe it's not even me. Maybe it's like, oh, you should meet this person. I'm really good about that. You know, just being a matchmaker of, of like, oh, these two people need to meet. And sometimes it's obvious why they should meet. And sometimes it's just like, y'all have similar personalities. And I don't know what's going to come of it, but you should know each other. So that's, that's my answer to your question as a shy person. You know, how do you go in there as I, I go in there? with a sense of generosity and relating as a human as opposed to a salesperson.